When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. When, when governments, state governments, start adopting uh, these practices like mail-in ballots that open the floodgates of potential f- fraud, uh, then people's confidence in the outcome of the election is going to be undermined. And that could take the country to a very dark place if we... For politics in Colorado for five years. Well, that was Bill Barr, the attorney general, expressing concern about mail-in voting schemes being implemented by blue state governors across the country, including in many critical swing states. Now we're hearing a blizzard of talking points coming from Democrats saying that if Trump doesn't quickly submit to the results of these mail-in ballots, that the military should remove him from office. To talk about this and the many ways Democrats engage in voter fraud, we're joined now by Eric Eggers. He's an investigative reporter for Peter Schweitzer's Government Accountability Institute, and author of the book Fraud, How the Left Plans to Steal the Next Election. You can get that book at Voter Fraud. Let me spell it, uh, say it correctly, VoterFraudBook.com. That's VoterFraudBook.com. Eggers' uh, last name is spelled E-G-G-E-R-S. Eric, thanks for coming on. Hey, it's my pleasure, Jim. Glad to be here. Well, the Democrats' constant refrain any time anybody expresses concerns over the sanctity of elections is that there's no evidence of significant voter fraud. Is that true? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, in fact, that's why I wrote the book. At, as you noted, I work with Peter Schweitzer at the Government Accountability Institute. And so you know, what we like to do is we like to you know, let the facts lead us to what the story actually is. And so we'd always heard these myths about the idea that, oh, voter fraud is a myth. You know, you hear these, these claims that, and you just repeated it. So we actually undertook a study back in uh, 2017. We said, okay, well, let's see what, what we can do. So we did an analysis of about 30 states' worth of voter rolls. We grabbed all the, the voter rolls from the ballots that were actually cast in the 2016 election, and then we hired a data scientist, and then we uh, cross-referenced those with all the commercial databases you might use for to detect credit card, credit card fraud, things like that. And so uh, this is an analysis, a way just to make sure, okay, let's see what the data tells us. And what we found, Jim, was astonishing. We found tens of thousands of instances of double voting. And in the state of Florida alone, where I live, we found over 2,100 instances of double voting, meaning someone in Florida cast a ballot and then cast a second ballot in a different state. And more people did that in 2016 than was the margin of victory in a presidential election in this century, as I'm sure you and many of your listeners remember from 2000. So right away we said, okay, like that's enough evidence right there to tell us that voter fraud can exist and does exist uh, in, a, in a scale large enough to swing an election. And so that's what prompted me to begin an investigation that ultimately led to the book to say, all right, 
What are the ways in which this happens? Why does this happen? What are the vulnerabilities in the system? Who keeps fighting for those vulnerabilities? And, uh, yeah, as I documented the book, I uncovered many, many other instances of systems that make our elections very ripe for fraud. And, um, and sadly, it's happening a lot. Well, as a matter of fact, the last election, the presidential election in 2016, was decided by just 80,000 votes, and that was spread across three states, including Pennsylvania and Michigan. And we know that uh, the Democrat machine in Philadelphia and Detroit is, is kind of notorious for voter fraud. You couldn't be more correct, as I'm sure you know and as I'm sure your listeners may have seen. I mean, you saw a Philadelphia elections judge just a couple of months ago prosecuted by the Department of Justice for literally stuffing the ballot, right? I mean, this is a guy that's almost cartoonish. He waited until the elections observers left, and then he went to the, the polling place and literally shoved as many ballots as he could in there. He took money for it. Apparently, this is something he'd been doing for local candidates for a long time. I mean, that's just one example of things that happened in Philadelphia. In the book, I talk about other curious examples. The state of Pennsylvania's Secretary of State actually resigned after the 2016 election because they found documented evidence of illegal immigrants uh, casting ballots. So, like, we know there's problems in Pennsylvania. And as you noted, Detroit, remember, uh, Donald Trump won the state of Michigan in 2016 by less than 11,000 votes. And uh, recently you saw Michigan's new Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, send out absentee ballot request forms to every registered voter in Michigan. It's actually sort of a step down from what California's Governor Gavin Newsom had done, in which he said he's going to send every California resident. Just going to airdrop them out of a helicopter onto the state. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, be careful. Like, watch out for flying ballots. But right. in, in Michigan, what makes that very concerning, and, you know, and I raised this issue uh, at the time, is that you know, Donald Trump won that state. So, so like, the state was won by less than 11,000 votes. Well, in the city of Detroit alone, as a lawsuit filed just last year pointed out, the city of Detroit alone has more than 30,000 more registered voters than citizens of legal voting age in that city. So, like, voter roll bloat is a significant problem. I think there's over 300 counties in this country with more registered citizens, uh, more registered voters than people who should legally be allowed to vote that live in those cities. Uh, the Supreme Court has cited these statistics, right? This is not new. The Supreme Court cited a, a Pew Center study that said, hey, there's 24 million ballots. That's one in eight. This was as of 2012 that are completely wrong or significantly inaccurate. So, I mean, this is the problem when you see these efforts to just, in the name of accessibility, and obviously in the coronavirus time, we're all having to make hard choices, but in the name of accessibility, when we're sending everybody a ballot, it's documented that people that shouldn't be getting one will get them. Well, and, I remember. Uh, and when you, Go ahead. Well, I was just going to point out that, and when you're talking about margins as small as the ones we saw in 2016, you know, I think it's right to raise that concern. Well, I remember in the aftermath of, uh, of the election, Jill Stein demanded a recount in the state of Michigan. Uh, she was being pushed toward it, and then they found out there were a lot of fraudulent ballots coming out of Detroit and uh, uh, for the Democrats, and she promptly uh, dropped her, her challenge uh, right after that. You know, I'm, uh, I'm from Atlanta. That's where I uh, cut my political teeth. And I have seen firsthand voter fraud uh, where uh, and, and people don't understand that when you're in a strong Democrat city, not only do they control the political machinery, they also control the machinery at these polling places. And most of these uh, ballot or these uh, poll workers are, in fact, Democrat operatives. So if they're, you know, wanting to just, you know, steal elections, they're perfectly uh, able to do that. It, it happened as well down in uh, Broward County, Florida. 
in this last gubernatorial election down here where the Broward County election supervisor was trying to hold out and keep counting ballots until she could push the Democrat candidate uh, over the top. And, uh, and the state had to step in and, uh, and take control of that situation. No, you're exactly right. And I talk about Broward, Broward County uh, and their uh, highly controversial secretary of uh, you know, supervisor of elections in the book significantly. And what was really interesting is actually in the gubernatorial election of 2018, as they were doing these challenges, like we know because there was so much scrutiny because these things were so close for, for both the Senate seat and the governor's race, that we know illegal immigrants cast ballots that were counted in 2018, uh, and we know that there was an effort to do so. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned the thing about Atlanta because, um, you know, as, as you as you saw, the, the long lines in their recent election were actually counted as voter suppression, right? And this is always the tension. Anytime you try to increase election security, the charge is, well, you're trying to suppress the vote, which can be conflated with, you know, racial intentions. Right. Um, but as you just pointed out, and I think this is the thing that people miss when they just when they see long lines of people trying to vote in cities like Atlanta. Well, who's in charge of elections in Atlanta? You know, it's not Republicans. So, um, so if, if the vote's being suppressed because of the challenges with implementing new technology, um, it's only actually because the people that are in charge of the systems have made those choices. And in that case, they were, they were the Democrats. Well, in the last two mayoral cycles in Atlanta, uh, Mary Norwood, I believe, was cheated out of it both times when the the ballots just kept coming in and coming in. Nobody knew from where or why it was delayed in coming in. They they figured out how many votes they need to uh, to overcome the margin, and then they just uh, keep pouring ballots in until uh, you know they don't stop counting until they win. I, you touched on uh, illegal alien voting and. There's an issue there where, uh, as a result of the expansion of so many of these government programs under the Obama administration, uh, every time one of these applications was mailed out to illegal aliens, it was also accompanied by a uh, so-called motor voter registration and required that the illegal alien actually declare himself illegal instead of declaring himself as a legal citizen eligible to vote. Otherwise, he would be mailed a ballot, and that's uh, that's been the case in uh, in California, in New York, and New Jersey, has anybody ever done a deep dive to figure out just how many illegal aliens are voting, and and if uh, if there's any way of expose or um, uh, identifying those people after the ballots are cast? Yeah, it's a very important question you raise, not only specifically with uh, the topic of you know illegal alien or non-citizen voting, but even more generally, like how do we know that our elections are secure, and and how can we quantify? Uh, I mean, why why do we hear that voter fraud is not a very uh, common occurrence? It's because we're not really looking for it, right? And if you think about it, that makes a lot of sense because the people that administer the elections. Like their job is to administer, you know, free and fair elections, and it's not in their best interest to come back and say, "Hey, guys, actually, we messed up." There's like millions of illegal immigrants that voted in that last election. There have been academic studies that have suggested anywhere from three to eight million illegal immigrants are registered to vote and can vote and have voted in previous presidential elections. Donald Trump was sort of criticized for citing some of those stud- studies, but it was an old Dominion uh, University study. So, um, you know, it's a very controversial thing. What I uncovered in the book that was really interesting 
is that, uh, yeah, there's lots of vulnerabilities in the system. So as you noted, because of motor voter law, when you go to get a driver's license, right, you can register to vote at that time. And um, the only thing that keeps a non-citizen from not registering to vote at that time is if they check the box that says, I'm not a legal citizen, right? Or I'm not a, uh, yeah, I'm not a, an actual citizen who's eligible and, to vote. And you can understand the reluctance to do that. And that was changed, you know, to, to make them have to affirmatively declare themselves uh, ineligible to vote instead of having to claim that they are in, uh, they are in fact eligible to vote. I mean, right. And so that, so the only person standing in between, right. Uh, this non-citizen and the ballot box is a DMV employee who was actually sort of forbidden by law from offering a lot of guidance. Uh, there's several instances in the book in which that's happened, and actually the Secretary of State's office like couldn't give the appropriate guidance to some of these people that were raising these questions uh, at the DMV office or, in some cases, the, um, the illegal aliens themselves. Plus, adding to the confusion is that in many cities or a handful of cities that are run by Democrats, like uh, Chicago, San Francisco, it's actually legal for non-citizens to be able to vote in local and municipal elections, right? And then so, you know, part of the reason why we started casting this as this larger overarching effort, uh, the head of the DNC, Tom Perez, you know, before he became head of the DNC and before he worked in the Obama Justice Department, he worked for a group that was uh, similar to ACORN, but it's out of the state of Maryland called Casa de Maryland. And their biggest advocacy was for the expansion of non-citizen voting. I don't know if you knew this, Jim. I didn't. But there's cities in Maryland that have allowed non-citizen voting because of the advocacy of Tom Perez's group since the 90s. So, I Are mean, they so given a separate to... ballot that only has the, the local elections that they have uh, determined that, that aliens are allowed to vote in? Well, well, as you know, like there's primaries, right, where there's local elections are held. They, not everything's on the same ballot. But, yeah, it, logistically, it, from an administrative standpoint, it's quite difficult. And then so you've got that. Plus you've got these groups that are going around, and their job is to round up as many people as possible to cast ballots. Uh, well, that's you know, so exactly like, what I saw in Atlanta, Eric. They would send yeah. buses, school buses, to, uh, to trailer parks. I was a firefighter in Atlanta. I knew for a fact that those trailer parks were busting at the seams with uh, people in the country illegally, newly arrived. And I would see on election day, these buses show up and just load everybody up and take them to the, to the polls. Yeah, no, I mean, that's what's really interesting to me is, um, I mean, part of the reason why they say voter fraud super rare is because they're legally kind of manipulating the, the language and they're using what, what we like to call an under-inclusive definition, right? So voter fraud technically and legally is the impersonation of a legal voter by an illegal voter, right? But what you're just describing, somebody that's casting a ballot as a non-citizen that is registered to vote, they wouldn't count that as voter fraud, right? They might count that as election fraud. So there's a lot of kind of parsing the language and, and kind of count math games with the definitions. But the reality is, like, election fraud, voter fraud, has been ingrained in America's electoral history since the beginning, right? Democrat I mean, we machines. Know yeah, right. Like, like this is not new. Like Tammany Hall is a thing, right? Dead people voting for JFK over Richard Nixon is a thing. Like no one disputes that. But somehow we're to believe that now all of a sudden we've got it all cleaned up when our election uh, technology, by and large, remains antiquated. I mean, the sad fact is the United States is a third world nation in terms of election technology. You got like Lithuania is using blockchain technology to conduct parts of their elections, and we're over here holding magnifying glasses up to you know hanging Chad stuff, <laughs> right? I mean, it's comical. 
So I'm getting the feeling that uh, what the Democrats have in mind is to uh, to use their voter harvesting schemes in Orange County, California, where in 2018 they flipped every Republican district except, I believe, one in the Republican stronghold of Orange County to a Democrat. And uh, and they did that. You don't have to question whether or not they were engaged in illegality. You've got uh, videos, ring doorbell videos of these campaign workers showing up, asking for the ballot, not requesting that it be filled out, but just taking the ballot and uh, and leaving. Um, so, you know, and and now you see the same sort of schemes being implemented in Michigan, where they're uh, they're going to allow you know widespread mail in ballots, and in other swing states, and they're at the same time they're declaring that if Donald Trump doesn't immediately accept the results on election night, which I don't even know if the Results will be final on election night that uh, that he is an autocrat and that the Joint Chiefs of Staff have to step up and and uh, where's this clip? Um, This is Joe Biden saying what ought to happen if he doesn't quickly accept the results. Have you ever considered what would happen if the election results came out as you being the winner and Trump refused to leave? Yes, I have. I was so damn proud. You have four chiefs of staff coming out and ripping the skin off of Trump. And you have so many rank and file military personnel saying, whoa, we're not a military state. This is not who we are. I promise you, I'm absolutely convinced they will escort him from the White House with great dispatch. Now, that's third world rhetoric right there. That is, if I don't get my way, if uh, if Donald Trump doesn't, uh, you know, accept the results of these elections quickly, I'm going to call on the military to remove him. And, you know, with all of these schemes they're putting in place that you document so well in your book, it it makes you wonder if we're not headed down that road. Yeah, no, I think you're right to be concerned. Um, I mean, here's the sad reality, though. And this is what I would say to anybody that says, oh, if the, if the results aren't, um, you know, kind of confirmed immediately. Uh, I mean, look at the primaries that have conducted the, you know, that seen massive expansions in the vote by mail, which I think is reasonably reasonable to assume will happen in the fall, right? I mean, Wisconsin was overwhelmed by the increase in mail-in ballots. Pennsylvania was overwhelmed by the increase in mail-in ballots. Uh, it was like more than a week after the primary in Pennsylvania. That's just the primary turnout. Imagine an actual election. So I find it quite challenging to believe, and we're just being honest about it, um, to think that we will have any thing resembling election results, unless it's just a total blowout one way or another, because if we see, if the pandemic remains uh, a concern for people and, and it causes people to increase uh, the vote by mail, which, you know, look, lots of people have been voting by mail. I, I don't have a problem with people voting by mail per se. I mean, I, you know, my, if you want to be safe, do it. Uh, I mean, a lot of people, it's convenient. But I think our system, it, based on my research, is not set up to handle the significant increase in that. And then plus, when the Democrats attempted to nationalize ballot harvesting in response to the global pandemic, then I think it's like, wait a minute. Yeah, we want to keep ourselves safe, but let's not make America's democracy infected with something worse than a pandemic. And that would be widespread voter fraud, which uh, we know is likely to happen if you see an expansion in mail-in balloting. Well, in New York, that um, that. 10-term congressman that was in the leadership uh, lost his his race to uh, another one of these Democrat socialists, uh, and they didn't declare that uh, that election result until a month after uh, the election. So, 
I'm just, uh, you know, I've got a lot of concerns on on what is going to end up happening here. In the short time we've got left, tell us about this uh, this scheme that they put in place called granny farming. Farming. Granny farming. Well, this is just a, it's a long story. Staying in practice, you know, I live in Florida, home to many many retirees, and uh, yeah, it's sort of a term of art that's been coined because while uh, California became the first state to legalize the third party collection and solicitation of ballots, as you noted by in the practice of ballot harvesting, um, many states have sort of not had laws explicitly forbidding the practice or permitted it in a very limited form. And unfortunately, uh, senior citizens have been the subject of this practice for a long time. So granny farming is when political operatives go to senior citizen homes or, you know, neighborhoods that are predominantly inhabited by senior citizens. And so, you know, they sort of take advantage of people with diminished faculties. And they say, hey, here's your ballot. Or let me help you fill out the absentee ballot request form. And then they do that, and they come back when they know the ballot's coming back, and then they basically sort of fill out the ballot on behalf of the senior citizen. So uh, granny farming was ballot harvesting, but just targeted on senior citizen populations in areas in which they're concentrated, in which like South Florida is a very famous example. Well, I could talk about this for the rest of the hour, but I know you've got to go. Eric Eggers, that's spelled E-G-G-E-R-S, is an investigative reporter for Peter Schweitzer's Government Accountability Institute and author of the book Fraud, how the left plans to steal the next election. You can get that book at voterfraudbook.com. That's voterfraudbook.com. Eric, thanks for joining us. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks so much. Mojo. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is... What's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, the the new woke generation is starting to sound a lot like the old uh, old racists back in the day. Uh, and uh, there's a great video out. It's uh, put together by a comedian, a Canadian comedian. Why are so many of our comedians good ones from Canada? But uh, he's got a YouTube video out there, and I'm going to play it for you now. When me and Brad first met, I didn't think we'd get along, but turns out we kind of agree on everything. Your, Your racial identity is the most important thing. thing. Everything, everything should be looked at through the lens of race. Shanks, you owe me a Coke. Damn. We both have a lot of opinions about people of color, even though we barely know any. I say colored people, but as long as we're classifying them. We both think minorities are a united group who think the same and act the same. And vote the same. You don't want to lose your black card. Sorry, I don't know. I just think we should roll, roll back, back discrimination laws so we can hire based on race again. Jinx, now you owe me a Coke. 
Hey, tell them what you told me yesterday. White actors should only do voices for white cartoon characters. Been saying that for years. Stick to your own. Us white people, we have so much privilege. I agree. It is a privilege to be white. Ask him about interracial dating. All I said is that black men who date white women have internalized racism, and white men that date ethnic women are fetishizing them. Guys against interracial dating now. Like, am I being pranked? Did Boomer put you up to this? Ugh, you know that taco place is white-owned? White people should be making white foods, like Kraft macaroni and cheese, no seasoning, not even salt. It's like he's a mind reader. I mean, I've been pushing for segregation forever, and my man does what? I created an improv comedy show exclusively for ethnic people. Guy segregates comedy on my birthday. White people need to stop wearing dreadlocks, and they need to stop appropriating black people's music. Shaved heads and country music, the way God intended. You know all white people are racist. I'm listening. Even if you have a black wife or a black friend group, you're still really racist. You know we just kicked a guy out of the organization for having a black girlfriend, but if you can promise me he's still really racist, we'll consider letting him back in. Black people should only shop at black businesses. I guess the only thing we really disagree about is I think white people are the root of all evil. But what did I tell you, though? If we can narrow that down to a certain group of tiny-hatted white people, I think we can come to an understanding. Technically, I don't consider Jewish people white Neither do I. Uh. (laughs) Oh, man. that That is gold right there. Gold, baby. So... And the House of Representatives, uh, somebody else is calling the uh, the new wokesters out on their hypocrisy. None other than uh, Texas Congressman Louis Gohmert has uh, introduced a House resolution that would ban the Democrat Party because of their so-called loathsome and bigoted past. You know, uh, Nancy Pelosi had uh, uh, the portraits of four previous Speakers of the House removed from the Capitol building. And not, nobody in the mainstream media ever pointed out that all four of those those former uh, speakers that had been fought for the Confederacy were, in fact, Democrat. Well, Gohmert's uh, resolution, it doesn't stand a chance of passing, but uh, it, it certainly calls out the Democrats on their hypocrisy. Uh, is to ban any political organization or party that has ever held a public position supportive of slavery or the Confederate States of America. That, of course, is the Democrat Party. It calls for House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to remove any items that names or symbolizes or mentions that political organization or party that supported slavery or the Confederacy from the U.S. Capitol's House wing and all of its office buildings. <laughs> Gomer said a great portion of the history of the Democrat party is filled with racism and hatred. He says people, since people are demanding that we rid ourselves of these entities, symbols and, and reminders of the repugnant aspects of our past, then the time has come for Democrats to acknowledge their party's loathsome and bigoted past and consider changing their party name to something that isn't so blatantly and offensively tied to slavery, Jim Crow, discrimination, and the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, man. That is beautiful. He's got some co-sponsors. Andy Harris of Maryland, Andy Biggs of Arizona, Randy Weber of Texas, and Jody Rice of Georgia. Now, this is, uh, if, if the Democrats are going to be true, to their new ideology, their new woke religion, how could they possibly oppose this bill? They can't continue on. I mean, they're pulling down statues of every 
historical American figure that uh, was tied to slavery or hell, plenty of them that were never even tied to slavery because of their supposed past sins. Well, the Democrat party is the walking, talking embodiment of slavery and the Confederacy and Jim Crow and segregation. So yeah, we need, we need more, uh, we need more resolutions like this. You think you'll hear about this resolution on the network evening news or on CNN or MSNBC? I kind of doubt it, but it's going to get a lot of traction on social media. This is a thing of beauty. Well, that takes us to the end of another week of Right Now with Jim Dawes. And I hope you'll come back here again on Monday and join us right here on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. I look forward to talking to you then. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com.